Welcome to Open Your Eyes, a podcast about opening our eyes to a new view of life. I hope you're having a great new year. I'm so optimistic about this year, and I hope you are as well. I believe there are new and wonderful things waiting for you this year. As Brad Paisley said, tomorrow is the first blank page of a 365-page book. Write a good one. Will this year be a new chapter in your verse or story, or will it be the same old story? Ultimately, we get to choose how our story will be written. And the choice is ours. And I hope that this year is filled with good choices and grace for you and your family. Now, those choices depend a lot on our view. And the goal of this podcast is to help you and me open our eyes a bit more to who we are and what we can become. So I hope today we can do exactly that. And when you're done, please send the link to this podcast to a friend. They may need what you learn here today. Today, I'd like to talk about your life and approach to this year with a simple phrase. It's your ship. Now, have you been thinking about taking a cruise on a luxury cruise ship sometime this year? If so, consider the allure of the seas. The Allure is an Oasis-class cruise ship operated by Royal Caribbean, and the Oasis-class are the largest passenger vessels ever made. The ship is an incredible 1,200 feet long. That's almost four football fields in length. The ship weighs 100,000 metric tons, which is 220 million pounds. That's the same weight as a Nimitz-class aircraft carrier. In total, there are 2,700 guest rooms, over a dozen meeting rooms, the largest holding 1,400 people. There's an ice skating rink, a zip line, basketball court, two flow riders, 24 dining rooms, seven neighborhoods, and 14 pools. The running track on the top deck is almost one half a mile long. So two and a quarter laps equals a mile. The allure is a marvel. And so is the Titanic the Empress of Ireland, the Andrea Doria, and Eastern Star. And what do all these ships have in common? (laughs) Well, they all sank. The Eastern Star, a river cruise ship which sails the Yangtze River in China, was caught in a storm and sank in waters just 15 meters deep. There were 456 people on board, and tragically, only 12 survived. Because the ship sank so quickly, and because the passengers were mostly elderly, there were few survivors. Now, perhaps the most famous cruise ship sinking of our day is the Costa Concordia. Almost 10 years ago today, the Costa Concordia, a dream-class cruise ship, the 13th largest cruise ship in the world, operated by Carnival Corporation, was on its last leg of an Italy to France to Spain to Italy cruise. There were about 3,206 passengers aboard. The ship was four years old at the time and cost over one half a billion dollars to build. As evening approached, about 10 p.m., it was calm seas. The cruise managers of Costa Cruises ordered a sail past salute. This is a sail close enough to shore to see people on shore from the ship. And the captain, Francesco Chitino, turned off the ship's navigation and alarm system computers and decided to steer the ship manually. However, the captain was distracted. He had an unregistered female guest, a dancer, on the bridge at the time of the accident, and 90 minutes earlier, the captain was seen drinking with the same attractive blonde woman. 
Later, she would testify in court that they were having an affair and the captain was distracted and impaired. Other tests would show traces of cocaine on the captain. And as a result of being distracted, the captain ordered a turn away from shore too late. And the ship collided with a rock outcropping and a large gash 174 feet in length was made on the port side of the ship along the engine room. The steel was peeled back and the opening in the ship was so big that the water entering the engine room caused immediate power loss. And this led to a complete loss of propulsion for the ship. All electrical systems were down. Now, without propulsion, the captain had no control and the ship started to list to the port side. Passengers in the dining hall heard a sudden loud bang and minutes later they were told it was an electrical failure. But the ship started shaking, and people started to run and panic, falling downstairs, and finally were ordered to put on life jackets. Twenty minutes later, however, a crew member speaking over the intercom told passengers everything was okay and to return to their rooms. But everything was not okay, not even close. Soon, the ship listed approximately 20 degrees, and this meant that all the lifeboats on one side of the ship couldn't be lowered. Nearly 30 minutes after the ship hit the rocks, the first contact with the Italian port officials was made. And the report was the ship was suffering from an electrical blackout from a blown generator. Six minutes later, another call came through stating the ship had taken on water and needed a tugboat. In all, port authorities did not know of the disaster or the real circumstances until one hour after the ship collided with the rocks. On board, no evacuation was sounded for the same amount of time. Now, the crew was largely Filipino, Colombian, and Indian without the language skills to help passengers. Soon, people started jumping from the ship. And in the process, three people died in the jumping, and seven were seriously injured. 100 minutes after the initial collision, the captain left the ship. And there were still hundreds of people on board. It was his ship, but his crew wasn't organized. It was his ship, but he was more concerned with his own well-being. It was his ship, and in total, 33 people died. 27 were passengers, five crew, and later one member of the salvage team. Now, divers and emergency personnel saved dozens of trapped passengers. One Korean couple who were asleep at the time of the crash were trapped in their cabin. They were saved. And many areas of the ship were not accessible due to flooding and damage. Five bodies were later found trapped between the ship and the seabed. Now, it would take months and millions of dollars to upright the ship. It would take years to settle the criminal charges, and the captain was convicted of manslaughter and sentenced to 16 years in prison. And many say he fled the ship so he would not be subject to alcohol and drug testing. Maybe he wanted to avoid being seen with his dancer friend because he'd have a lot of explaining to do to his wife and daughter. It seems... He was captive to habits or desires or distraction or complacency. Now, this year, you have launched into the deep, so to speak, with new goals for your business, your team, your life, and it's your ship, so to speak. As William Ernest Henley famously said, it matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll, I am the master of my fate. I am captain of my soul. And we have all set sail in this life on a journey to take ourselves or our team or our family to places we were meant to go. But along the way, 
we get used to the journey. We get complacent or habits tend to take over and we don't always steer the ship like we should. Instead, the ship takes us where it wants us to go because we've given ourselves over to habit or routine or fear. And this happens to all of us to one extent or another. And at times, perhaps at times like these right now in my life and yours, we need to make a decision. Will we be the captain of our ship or captive to our ship? Are you captain or captive? There's something powerful that happens inside you and me when we decide that if it's going to happen, it depends on our choices and action. And here's what I've noticed. Usually at the beginning of a new year or a new job or a new decision, we move forward with a bit of energy and enthusiasm. And the adrenaline or emotion of making that decision or setting those goals carries us for a few weeks. But then the tediousness sets in and the adrenaline wears off and soon we're left to the same old patterns and choices we faced before. And in this casual sailing of our ship, we sometimes let down and stop doing what is needed. But it is at these very times when you and I can prove we are indeed captain of our ship. After all, it is your ship. So if you're facing goals this year that you really haven't embraced or carried out thus far, now is the time to renew your commitment. And here's the thing. In every goal, there is a point in which you get fatigued or fearful. And it's at these times that we tend to falter. So if all of this is true and it is your ship, then what can you do to see your ship through safe passage to your desired outcome this year? Well, years ago, that profound philosopher by the name of Arnold Schwarzenegger famously said, the last three or four reps is what makes the muscle grow. The area of pain divides a champion from someone who is not a champion. Meaning that when you're lifting weights like Arnold does, after you've done a number of reps, you often feel fatigued. You feel like stopping. But you get the most benefit when you power through and do those last three to four reps. Now, this makes a lot of sense to me. I haven't confirmed this with exercise experts, but it seems that if you're seeking to break down your muscles so you can grow them back bigger, the most breakdown is likely to happen in the last three to four reps. And champions never stop before those last reps. Now, this begs the question for a lot of things in life. Do we quit too soon? Are we in the habit of listening to ourselves when we say we're too tired or this hurts or I'm bored or I don't like this? And we stop too soon sometimes, don't we? When in fact, if we got into the habit of doing the hard things a bit longer, we'd find our life and business and ability to reach our goals increases substantially. The point is, our ship needs our full effort, the last four reps. Our family needs the last four reps. You need the last four reps in everything that you're doing. So as you wrap up working your contact list for your business, ask yourself, have I done the last four reps? Did I push through and do what was necessary to really honestly reach my goals? So here's the question. What can you do to take command of your ship? Well, first, decide what ship you will captain. Your ship can serve you well this year, but what type of ship do you have? You know, another large cruise ship, rather famous, is the Ovation of the Seas. 
This Quantum-class cruise ship sails to Alaska from Seattle in the northern summer months and travels to Australia in the southern summer months, and it has a capacity of 4,900 passengers. Well, on December 9th, 2019, the ovation took passengers from Sydney, Australia to New Zealand, docking at the port of Taranga. Now, Taranga is the largest port in New Zealand, and from that port, passengers have a number of options for touring and exploring New Zealand. On that day, 47 passengers chose to travel to White Island. White Island is known as Wakari, and it's the most active cone volcano in the world. And it's been releasing gas since James Cook discovered it in 1769. White Island is also accessible for tourists. The island is 30 miles from the east coast of the North Island of New Zealand, and you can catch a ferry or helicopter to the island and walk from the water's edge to the rim of the volcano relatively easily in about 30 minutes. Inside the crater of the volcano is a lake of boiling acidic water. Now, most of the volcano is below the ocean's surface, with only a small two-kilometer section of the top cone that is exposed above the ocean. And over time, small eruptions have happened. One happened in 2000, one in 2012, one in 2013. And all changed the water levels inside the volcano and the venting of hot gases on the island. As a result, visitors are all given gas masks to protect themselves against the chemicals present in the air. Well, on December 9th, three boats left New Zealand for the island. The first at 9.30 a.m., the second, the Phoenix, at 10.30, and the Watkari at 11.30. Well, by 1 p.m. in the afternoon, the first boat had already returned. The Phoenix was just leaving the island, and the last boat's passengers, 38 of them, were just approaching the edge of the volcano. In addition, seven people from a helicopter tour were on the island as well. Suddenly, the volcano erupted. Cannonball rocks, ash, toxic gases, and extremely hot water spewed into the air. This type of hydrothermal explosion is hard to forecast, and they are extremely lethal. The eruptions happened all over the island, in the center lake, and also along a series of hot pools, which were next to the walking paths on which the tourists were walking at the time. There was nowhere for the people to run. And some were instantly burned to death. The ash cloud went almost a mile into the air and covered the entire island. The Phoenix, which was sailing back to the mainland, saw the explosion and the captain immediately turned the ship around. He knew his ship, which was a tourist ship, would soon become a hospital ship. The captain of the Phoenix was Paul Kingy, and he didn't hesitate. Despite the flying rocks and risk of a second larger explosion, he pointed his ship back to the island. Gathered on the rocky jetty when he got there were 19 badly burned and dying people. They were covered in gray ash. They used a small rubber dinghy to ferry these dying people to the Phoenix, one of those was 19-year-old Jesse Langford. Now, of the 22 people that died on the island, most would later be found below the rim of the crater in a loose line along a path. Their burns were so severe that many weren't recognizable. Jesse, who was from Australia, was walking near the crater at the time of the explosion with his parents and his 17-year-old sister. Jesse felt the ground shake. Then a blast of intense heat hit his face. He was knocked down by the force of the blast. 
Boulders the size of people were flying through the air. He heard someone yell, run to the beach. And he and his family started running through the black smoke and scalding steam. He knew he couldn't outrun the blast. So he went to duck behind a mound of dirt. But before he did, he was hit in the back by a large rock. He fell to the ground in a fetal position. There, he waited several minutes and then stumbled back to where his parents and others were lying on the ground. His mother wasn't moving, and his father told him he couldn't breathe. He said the crying and the whimpers soon went silent. He sat there in the gray and ash until it was obvious that he needed to move. He could feel his burnt skin tightening up. So he decided that if he didn't stand up and take charge of his life, he would die. So he did. And he walked to the beach and was eventually evacuated on the Phoenix. And he would endure multiple surgeries to treat the burns over 70% of his body. Now, the bodies of his parents were recovered days later, and his sister was never found. Experts believe a storm took her body to sea. And Jesse has gone on to earn his nursing degree, and his grandfather has become his best support through his trials. And he knows it was the decision to stand and walk that preserved his life. But it was the captain of the Phoenix and his decision to use his ship for good that saved Jesse's life. You see, without immediate evacuation, Jesse would have succumbed to his injuries. Here's the point. The Phoenix wasn't built to be a hospital ship, but it was on that day. It was the decision of the captain to use his ship for good that turned a tragedy into life for 19 people. Now, I don't know if your team consists of 19 people or 90 people, but the key question is, will you use your ship this year, your effort, your leadership to help them? Because it's your ship, and you get to decide on how you will make this year a year in which people's lives can be enhanced and changed for good. It's your ship. And sometimes you have to put your ship in harm's way and take a bit of a risk in life to do what you were meant to do. As the saying goes, if the highest aim of a captain were to preserve his ship, he would keep it in port forever. Next, to take command of your ship this year, understand that you may need to step out with faith and do and try things you haven't tried or done before. In the New Testament is a wonderful story about a ship and faith that most people are familiar with. After Jesus performs a miracle in feeding 5,000 people, he instructs his disciples to board a ship and cross the Sea of Galilee while he remains behind to send away the multitude and to pray. Well, there on the sea, a windstorm comes up during the voyage, and the small ship in which the men were on was tossed among the waves. And to add to their distress, the disciples were confronted with what they thought was a spirit they could see approaching. And they cried out in fear. What they saw was actually Jesus walking on the water towards them. Although Jesus announced that it was he, that they need not fear, some on the ship were skeptical. Peter called out, If it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And Jesus responded, Come. Peter left the boat and, like Jesus, walked on the water. But partway, Peter's attention was diverted from his master to the buffeting winds and waves around him, and his faith began to weaken, and he began to sink helplessly in the water. He cried out, appealing to Jesus for help. 
After clasping Peter's hand and assuring his safety, Jesus mildly chastised Peter. O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Then, when Jesus was on board the boat, the wind ceased. Now, sometimes when I hear this story shared, I hear people refer to Peter as having failed because Jesus asked him, wherefore did thou doubt? But I don't think that's what happened, nor what Jesus was saying. I believe this experience was a significant source of faith to Peter throughout his life. I imagine that Peter looked back on the event many times and said to himself, I had the courage to walk out onto the water, and for a time, I did the impossible. I believe it fed his faith in himself and in his Lord. And I believe Jesus was not chastising Peter when he asked, why did you doubt? I believe he asked the question like a teacher would ask. So in answering, Peter could learn the power of keeping his faith about him in life, especially in times when there is commotion around him. Now, Peter would need this lesson later in life as he captains the ship of the Lord's church. Now, I love this story because I believe you too can do the impossible if you don't doubt or give away your faith. You may not walk on water, but you will walk in places you have never walked before and in ways you never thought you could if you keep your faith. And I believe you have the ability to do what may seem impossible in your life. Perhaps you're needing to change. Don't doubt. Perhaps you're attempting something remarkable you've never done before. Don't doubt. Perhaps you're trying something again that you've tried before, but this time you need to rise and do it better. Don't doubt. Feed your faith and your doubts will starve to death. You know, Robert Kriegel wrote, we don't have a clue as to what people's limits are. All the tests and stopwatches and finish lines in the world can't measure human potential. When someone is pursuing their dream, they'll go far beyond what seems to be their limitations. The potential that exists within us is limitless and largely untapped. When you think of limits, you create them. And I believe that's true. You can do what you set out to do and be who you desire to become and create a life that will be rewarding and remarkable. And in the end, as St. Augustine said, faith is to believe what you do not see. The reward of faith is to see what you have believed. This is why it's essential to set aside 15 minutes each day to feed your faith. During this feeding time, read, speak to yourself, imagine, and create the course for your ship. Think purposefully how you will keep distractions from your view and focus on where your faith is leading you. And if that's making your business grow, keep your faith. If that's growing your faith in God, remove the distractions and do the things that will help you keep your faith. If that's being a better spouse or team leader, keep your faith. Next, to take command of your ship, make sure your goals, your intentions are known. Why? Well, yes, sharing your goals will help you stay committed because there's an added bit of pressure, knowing that others are watching and will hold you accountable. But captains make goals known for a different reason. They know that we help others when they can see that we are headed in a good and noble direction. Your setting a goal and working towards it may not seem inspiring to others, but it is. And I can't tell you the number of times I've stuck to my goals because I've seen others doing the same. 
You know, in the 1800s, some of the most important battles happened at sea. It's how the Dutch and Spanish, English, and French grew their territories through conquests of their navy. Now, the strategy of a sea battle was to bring your armada full speed upon your enemy's ships. And as you sail by, you unleash your cannons. Your target for those cannon shots is the mast. Why? Well, you didn't want to sink the ship because once it sunk, it had no value to you. But once you destroyed the mast, you rendered the ship useless. Then you could board it, take the treasures aboard, and add the ship to your fleet. Now, every Navy had a flagship, and aboard the flagship was the Admiral. And from the flagship, messages were signaled to the other ships to coordinate the battle. And usually, a flagship had at least 100 cannons, 50 on each side. So the flagship led the battle. The problem is that the signal for surrender was the flagship's main flag being lowered. So if the mast on the flagship was broken, the rest of the fleet would think that the flagship had surrendered because the flag was no longer flying. Well, in the Battle of Caperdown between the English and the Dutch, the English flagship, Venerable, lost its mast. And with the flag down, the rest of the fleet was confused. So one of the crew, Jack Crawford, climbed up the broken mast and nailed the colors to the mast. And seeing the flagship flag still flying, the fleet persevered and won the battle. Following this, the term, nail your colors to the mast, became known for staying engaged in the midst of difficulty, for courage. In Jack Crawford's hometown, the people raised a statue depicting Jack's heroic actions. And the inscription of that statue said, nail your colors to the mast. You are the flagship of your fleet. When the wind goes out of your sails, when you lose your mast, so to speak, the fleet assumes you've surrendered. So keep your colors nailed for certain. Take command of your ship. Be the captain of change for your team and for yourself. It's time. It's time to shift from the life you've had and the person you've been into the new life and better person you are seeking. Now, I understand that you may be trying to do something you haven't done before. And I know it will require sacrifice. And I get it. You're trying to change a longstanding habit. But this is your life and future that we're talking about, right? And you can do the impossible. And you're going to find things will get tough for sure. But you'll also find amazing things you may have never thought possible along the way. I can predict that you will question at times, is this goal? Is my working towards this goal worth it? Yes. It is worth it. It's your ship, and your ship can be remarkable. You know, there are a lot of ships that matter. Friendship, partnership, fellowship, and yes, even hardship. Let's take friendship for just a second. Adding the word ship to friend changes the meaning, changes it from a noun, a friend, to a thing, a relationship between friends. Adding ship to partner does the same thing. It brings in this power and feeling and goodness. Remember, it's your ship. And when you decide to take control of your ship, you transform everyday things and goals and teams into something remarkable. Last, to captain your ship, remember, don't let anyone else take the wheel. 
Too often we give in to pressure from others or criticism or worry about what other people think to the point that we hand over the steering of our ship to others. And this happens to a lot of us. We start a new business, and it isn't something we've really tried before. It's new. It's different. And that causes some people around us to question or even criticize. Don't give in. Most people don't like change, and it is change that you're trying to make. So stick with your decision to build that business. Put your whole effort behind it, and don't let the naysayers discourage your attempt. Remember, if you were going to avoid criticism, you would never say anything or do anything. Just because you are taking control of your life and steering your ship, don't let the opinion of someone else get in your way. You know, one of my favorite movies of all time is Dead Poets Society. The story is about an English teacher who tries to get his students to open their eyes to new ways of seeing themselves and life. He seeks to do so by exposing them to literature and the writings of great poets and philosophers. However, his teaching methods are criticized by the establishment, and he's forced to move on from the school. However, before he does, he changes the hearts and minds of his students in the process. Well, on the first day of class in the story, he reads together with his students the famous poem by Walt Whitman, O Captain, My Captain. The poem is a metaphor for the movie itself. You see, the poem begins with, O Captain, My Captain, Our Fearful Trip is Done. It's a poem about the ship having weathered the journey and the flag still flying from its mast, but the captain has succumbed to the journey as the ship sails into harbor. And this is exactly what happens in the movie itself. The students have found a new ship in life, a new view, and each begins to captain their own ship, even though the teacher, the captain, gave his life, his effort for his class. In the final scene, having succumbed to the establishment and the critics and the fears, the teacher played by Robin Williams packs up his books and is preparing to leave class. One student, risking punishment, stands up and shouts, O captain, my captain. Then another, and then another, as if to say, you taught us, and you've given me the power to captain my ship. So, as we end today, I say the same to you. O captain, O captain, it's your ship. What happens this year on your team and in your life depends on you. Don't give in to distractions. Stay committed to your goals. Rise to take the hand of faith and be the person that you are meant to be. In the words of Captain Jack Sparrow, the seas may be rough, but you are the captain. No matter how difficult, you will always prevail. Most of all, thanks for being here today. And don't forget to share this podcast with a friend. And join us next week for another podcast as we learn to open our eyes to who and what we can become.